0: Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Wade Griniger, as we are sitting high and mighty in Rogers' studio. We got the cool cat, we got the long haired outlaw we know from Archery Country, and uh, he works up in the St. Cloud store. Been down here to Rogers a couple of times. Really, really, really good bow technician, and also one of the better shooters that we have going up and down the road, and also one for the hunting. Today's podcast, we have Nate Warnke. Yeah,
1: you got it right. Guy.
0: Glad you're here, buddy. This is the first one you've been on.
1: It is. Excited to be here.
0: And it's just you and I. And today's podcast, as you read the heading, or you've seen it on your iPhone, or any phone, or wherever you get your podcast, releases, releases, releases. And us two are going to try to help your target panic with just listening.
1: Do we even dare say that word? <sighs> I know I that's that kind of like a swear word in some houses. It is target panic.
0: The first thing that I'm going to say, you have everybody here, I f- I'm going to sound like a uh, uh, psychiatrist for a second, psychological advanced. You have to admit that you have target panic. Before we talk about releases, before we talk about form, before we talk about execution, you have to admit to yourself, hey, once in a while, I bobble and drive by and punch it, and it happens. But a thing, the thing, Nate, you, you attest to this. For the last 15 years, I shouldn't say the last, 13 years up until the last couple of years, we would say punching the trigger is terrible. And to this day, I still say that. But a new era is upon us called command shooting. Now, the difference between punching the trigger and a command shooter, a command shooter is controlled. Do you agree?
1: I agree with that, yeah. I mean, I would consider myself more on that controlled Style. I used to definitely punch, but I got over that, and I definitely more control. It's not a surprise when my shot goes. I know when it's going to go.
0: And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Here's what this is. this You're going to have to push the 30-second reverse or 15-second reverse about eight times through this podcast. Command shooting is where you set your pin or your dot or your fiber optic on the desired target, rather it be a spot shooter or a 3D shoot or an animal, and you say go. You tell your release to go off. Controlled command shooters, absolutely just fine. But when we say punching the trigger, that means that we're coming from left field with our thumb or our finger. And you tell it, you say, yep, fire. And then there's a millisecond for your brain to tell your f- nerves and your nerves to get down to your muscles and tell your finger, and you slap the trigger. That's a big no-no.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it with customers coming all the time. I mean, whether they're have been they're brand new shooters or they've been shooting for years. I've had customers that have great form, and they come in. Like, they took the winter off from shooting. They come in the first time you watch them shoot, and they're just, like, hammering a thumb button or swatting at that trigger. And it's like, hey, you're hitting that thumb button. Like, I don't know if you're changing the way you shoot or not. I just, I noticed that I wanted to help you out with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're here for to help customers with that as
0: yep. well. So we have, we have, if you guys could see, and maybe we'll take a picture and add this to it. This, the bench that we're sitting on or the desk that we're on, we have 50 releases sitting here. We're going to talk about index style releases. We're going to talk about thumb trigger activated releases. We're going to talk about resistance activated releases. We're going to talk about hinges. We're going to talk about pinky-activated releases. We're going to talk about everything, all in a little podcast. So with that being said, we'll start it out probably the most, and still, handheld releases are coming on really, really strong, and I think it's because it's a different anchor. It's easier to use. You don't have to have it around your wrist. But the first thing that we're going to talk about is going to be a wrist strap index style release been around forever um and there's a lot of different options on that every release that we talk about today the same philosophy besides a hinge maybe is going to be in effect now have you have you shot you shot a wrist style
1: started out with a wrist as a kid like that was kind of the reason i went to a thumb button as i was just slapping it so bad i decided to try something different see if it would help and it definitely took some getting used to but
0: And another reason besides anchor and ease of use, if you were to take and look at your right hand or your left hand, if you're a left-handed shooter, the most sensitive part of your body is the last inch of your forefinger, your pointer finger. So that's when you write, that's your your driver on your pencil or your pen. Uh, When you're typing, that's the most sensitive part of your finger is the tip of that. We need to get away from that you have to you don't actually want to feel the trigger <clears throat> on a index style release now we have a, a bunch of different brands probably one of my favorite <clears throat> run in today is going to be a tie between a B3 and a Stan uh Truefire makes some really nice wrist style index style Trueball makes some really nice ones there's a lot of great ones out there but as far as the shop I really really like the B3 because of the size. I really like the claw. Because it's a hook style. It's not a, it's not a caliper. Um, single jaw. Unlike the Nemesis. And all of this stuff is going to be on our website. And all of this stuff is in our stores and location. But it, it, let's just grab a release. <clears throat> a true fire or a B3 claw. Whatever it is. The cool thing about most of these. These days is you can adjust them. Now for the guys that are listening. That shoot rifles and shotguns. Uh, not so much shotguns shotguns maybe if they're set up for slugs and a scope but let's face it when you're shooting a shotgun at clay birds or pheasants or ducks you're 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 you're, hammering the trigger hammering the trigger that's and that's not what we want to do you want a consistent pressurized pull now everybody if you're looking at your finger If you look at mine, you see that callus? Yep. If I look at yours, you have one as well. They're way deep. When I say that, so there's three sections to your index finger. Section one is the closest to your palm. Section two is in the middle and then the tip. That's three. We're never going to talk about the tip of your index finger from here on out. Most of the time, you're going to want to be right in the crotch between two and three or in the fat part of number two. So you have your release, you should be able to adjust it in or out, meaning from the base of your wrist out to where when you're at full draw, when we have holding weight on the bow, that trigger is right in the crotch or in the fat part of section number two of your finger. So when when you're a command shooter, do you pull through? Are you pulling the trigger to a certain point? Or do you have a little bit of pressure on there? Take us through your command shot with a index. With figure.
1: an index, it's been a while since I've shot one like on target, just because I'm still afraid of the whole target panic mm-hmm. thing with it. But when I do shoot it now, I like focus on kind of just getting that finger and slowly squeezing the shot through. And that's more or less I'll use an index when I'm tuning a bow in the back mm-hmm. of the shop or whatever, getting it close for a customer, or even just like demonstrating aiming and showing guys something they can work on to help them with their form. That's been a big mm-hmm. thing I've worked on with guys. So, for me, it's just getting that finger wrapped around. Usually, I'm using kind of that first knuckle in between the first and second point on my finger. Yep. Just wrapping that around that trigger <clears> and then just slowly squeeze until it goes off.
0: And that's and that's exactly how I would say to do it. Uh, there's some releases that have trigger travel. That means it takes a long, long time, takes a ton of pressure, and your trigger's actually moving before it ever activates the sear system inside to release it. Let's back up. Okay. When you you listeners are going to do this, I don't want you to set your Reinhardt target out at 40 yards and try to do this. I don't want you to hang a five-spot target on a bale at the shop or at home and do this. Take an 8 by 11 blank piece of copy paper or a, a paper plate, something that is extremely large. If you have a 365 trio target, go to the biggest black circle. This is what you need to do. <clears throat> whatever you're going to try. And this is even for our guys that are very, very, very good at what they're doing, that they don't need help, they don't have target panic. just try this. Try it for 20 shots one day. Don't go out and practice, just try this. You have to have a huge aiming point to where you can say mentally it's okay to have pin float. And what I mean by that is you don't have to bury your pin. We're kind of going working in reverse here. I don't want you to bury your pin on a spot or an X. You agree with me?
1: I agree with you. I mean, that's the biggest thing that you see is someone's like, well, my pin never holds still. You got to learn to trust that float. Mm -hmm. And as you get, you shoot more and stuff, your body will get more stable with it to where that pin float will shrink down to where it's maybe only moving between the four and five ring on a five spot target. Mm -hmm. Where right now you might be floating all the way out to the one ring. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot that comes into play with that. A bow that fits you properly definitely helps stabilize your weight. But the biggest thing is starting with a big target like Wade said, where you can just hold it in the middle and trust that float, and just work on pulling through your shot, getting good form. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I've noticed in archery that really helps with accuracy. And
0: and what it does, the first three or four, because we're all natural, we want to succeed. We want to hit the X. We want to hit the deer or the turkey or whatever it may be. So we're... We're trained, our mind works like, I want to hit this. If, if, if you're not out there just for fun, like you take it a little bit more serious, <clears throat> the reason you're spending so much money on bows and that is not because, yes, they're smooth and they're quiet and they're efficient, but so that you can hit what you're aiming at. Take that. Take that right now is the perfect time. Turkey hunting's all. We got a month left of turkey hunting. Something like that, yeah. So, obviously, yeah, go kill your turkey, but th- break your shot down start big. And and believe it or not, we have new shooters that will I'll purposely take an 8 when I say 8 by 11, that's just cuz I got 7,000 sheets sitting here right next to me. If I hang this at a 10-yard bale, 9 times out of 10, once they're both sighted in, they'll hit center. But they're not aiming at anything. They're subconsciously letting the pin float in the middle. They're looking at what they want to hit at. Do you do that?
1: I do. But, like, my main focus is, like, on my target. I can – there's times when I'm shooting longer range, I can barely even make out the disturbed blur of my pins. Mm -hmm. I'm just focusing, like, aim at a small spot on that target, focus on that, and the pin's going to go right where you're looking for you.
0: It's so crazy that this will work if if you just trust the – like, if I were at 100 yards, I'm not saying go out and shoot 100 yards, but if you are, if you just look at the dot you want to shoot – Somehow your mind and your body works together. The the pin just shows up there. It does. And that's the whole trust deal. Trust your pin float. There are ways to get your pin float instead of a huge big figure eight outside the one and then back into the five. There's a way to get it to a small little U. That's called stabilization. That's called grip. That's called holding weight. That's then we're kind of talking some black magic but there's a lot that goes
1: into getting that bow to hold yeah yeah
0: once you get to that point then it's it's easy it's awesome
1: when you figure out like a setup for your bow that gets it easy so you can just work on that shot routine pulling through your shot making i mean we got
0: I, i posted a picture yesterday of uh my matthews setup and i get a lot of comments like dude why do you have a 15 inch bar on a hunting bow why is your back bar 10 inches? Why do you have a total of 14 ounces? You know, isn't the philosophy to be light and small and compact? Well, sure. I guess if I was going to Alaska on 17-day bear hunt and I needed to pack in and pack out or an elk hunt. But here's the deal is when I do get that opportunity, there's going to be adrenaline flowing. No one can control adrenaline, right? No. It's there. I, when I pull that back, I want my level. Bubble level to be perfect and I want that pin just to sit there. Yeah. And then I can execute.
1: And if you say like if you're a guy out there that says, Well, I don't get adrenaline, I still get adrenaline when a fawn walks into twenty yards. Even if I'm not gonna shoot it, just being that close to something. Oh, like, yeah, being that quiet. You have adrenaline. You're not gonna be as still as you are aiming yep. at a target at twenty yards indoor with nobody around you.
0: And we're just gonna say this right out in the open. Let's just get it out there. When you have your target animal, I always say target animal, because if I were to sit here and say, When that hundred and eighty inch buck is out in front of you, well Whatever you know, if it's a doe, if it's a turkey, if it's whatever, you're probably not going to execute perfect. You're probably pro- you <laughs> might you might come from left field and punch the tree. Oh, I right would there. love to see
1: some of the shots I've made on deer <laughs> with that thumb button. Even going to that, I know I just hammer it on some of the shots. I've heard of customers. I mean, I know customers that have done a great job of shooting resistance releases hinges, but they still hunt with a thumb button. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, I was shooting hogs down in Texas, whatever, and. I just hammered the thumb on that thing. He's <laughs> like, well, now I got to get back and work on the form yeah. a little bit more.
0: We're trying to get you up to the point of where instinctive memory, muscle memory takes over. So the word surprise is what we're actually going towards for some of our, what we're going to talk about. But right now we're talking about command shooting. Yep. So we hang a big target. I recommend five yards. Who cares what's, who's watching you or do it in your basement or in your garage when no one's around. Because we don't care where you hit. We care that you're executing your release properly. Rather it be a command or a surprise shot. So hang a big target, shoot a big target, trust your pin float. Now when you're commanding, I have to ask you, and that's why you're on the podcast, because you're one of the better command shooters that we have around the area. A lot of guys are switching over. A lot of guys have been doing it forever. A lot of guys and gals and don't even know it. Yep. Your mental... Breakdown, like obviously, you're when your pin's on the and you say now, you're not coming from left field.
1: No, my th- so I shoot a thumb button. I've actually got mine sitting in front. And what is this? Is a abyss flex. So mm-hmm. been shooting this release for probably three years. I use it for hunting. It is more of a target style release. It's brass. It's heavy. It doesn't like clip and hang on my D loop. So for a hunting standpoint, maybe not ideal. But I've just grown so comfortable with it. So for me, I've got the barrel swept back pretty good, and I bury it down basically where my thumb meets the rest of my hand and i'm just wrapping that barrel down in there and i'm just aiming on target waiting for that pin to basically float around where that point is i'm still not just like waiting to do like a drive by where it's like it's on the middle slam it and i'm just letting it float there and when i feel like i'm ready to go i just kind of squeeze the shot off again it's not a complete surprise i do know when that release is going <clears throat> off but yep. i'm not just waiting for it to just get there and hammer it i'm yep. trying to do decent form with it but it's not perfect i would say either
0: and then, like you say, completely acceptable because nine times out of ten, you're going to hit exactly what you're aiming at. But we're getting to that process of controlling that command. If you have an index style, <clears throat> for example, I'm going to grab a stand. Uh, this is an extinction, too. Yep. Which is a hook style, but it's still a trigger. The, the 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 great thing about some of these index dials is you can control the trigger travel and also the sensitivity. So you can have this very, very light, like you could blow on it and it could go off or you can have a very, very cold where you have to add a ton, a ton of pressure, whatever it may be. If I was to be a command shooter, especially with a finger style, <clears throat> I want to be able, I want to have it set to where I can actually put pressure on the trigger and it won't go off, but I'm right on the verge.
1: Yep. And when I first got my thumb button, like, that's the other thing I recommend with any release play around with different tension, different travel settings if mm-hmm. your release has that option. But when I first got my thumb button, I had this thing like light, like if you touched it, it went off. Mm-hmm. And that's back when I was still punching. So, like, I didn't know any better whatever <clears throat> yeah and i have actually played with this thing to the point of where it's as cold as it gets and okay. i honestly wish it would go a little bit colder
0: let's see that so you're <clears throat> when he's talking about this is that he's setting the trigger travel or the sensitivity oh it's
1: already cocked it's already cocked.
0: so you're putting a ton of pressure on this already
1: yep i'm wrapping my thumb yep. on. and honestly that one doesn't go super stiff i would say there's some releases definitely out there they go where they're colder than what that one is
0: so you have to you have to play with the sensitivity and the travel to where you can put some pressure on the trigger. So at that last split second, when you say go, it goes. Now, <clears throat> I shoot a lot of target archery. I've gotten to know some of the guys that are winning tournaments on a command style.
1: Vegas this year was won by a command shooter. Yeah.
0: Kyle Douglas won Vegas the second time in a in row, row. Yep. and he they call him the commander. He Tim Gillingham's been around forever. Openly uh,
1: admits that he's a command shooter. Yep.
0: Uh, Robert Householder won the Royal Rumble or Rumble, whatever that was. Royal that Rumble, yep. yep. And he's a command shooter. And that was a Vegas target and a Vegas five spot. So it, it it's catching on. Now, I've talked to Robert personally. He sets his extremely light. So he just barely touches it, and then any pressure, it goes off. Now, Douglas... Wrap like you do, he wraps it way, way, way around to where it's just ever so slightly flex of his hand and it goes off. But there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, any of these, any of these execution styles we're talking about, you have to mentally again admit that you have target panic, trust your pin float, and get to where you're subconsciously working just on your release. Who cares where the arrow goes right now? So, index style can be shot. Just don't come, and and when we say come from left field, there's some individuals here who can't even touch the trigger until it's time to go.
1: I've seen people where, like, that when we teach you to draw a bow back, whether you're new or whatever, you basically were taught that you draw with all four of your fingers behind that trigger. Mm -hmm. I see customers get back, they get locked in, they're aiming, and that finger's still behind, and all of a sudden, it just, like, quick reaches around and slaps it. Yep. And if you're doing that, I recommend you to (coughs) at least get that finger pulled out from behind because... If you're on the target, you're almost I say you're aiming twice cuz you're ready to shoot. And then you got to bring that finger around. Well, now you're re-aiming or you're moving, you're making you're moving. a lot of extra movement yep. to hit that trigger. So yep. if you're not bringing that finger around, <clears throat> that's the first thing I challenge you to do is when you get that ball back, even if you can't touch it, just bring that finger around from behind so it's sitting out in front.
0: Mm-hmm. And and even in that sense, like let's take it a step further. Practice get your finger on the trigger. Yep. Not like just set it on there. And and don't even shoot. Draw back. Rest your finger on the trigger, wait until you're, you're actually your shot breaks down to where you're not comfortable, your pin's really, really moving around, and then let down.
1: Yeah. I Draw mean, back. You don't have to shoot an arrow to get no. practice. I mean, it can be sitting in your basement just pulling back. You might not even mm-hmm. have a target. Put an arrow in your bow so you don't dry fire. Absolutely. It be safe. But even just load an arrow, pull it back, kind of go through the shot sequence, wrap that finger yeah. around, get it sitting on there lightly, and maybe you have to adjust your release. I mean, if you're shooting a really light, <clears> light release, yeah. add a little bit of tension. Yep but figure out where it's got to be to where you can just comfortably wrap your finger around, play with different mm-hmm. length adjustments to where Wade was talking about earlier, getting that finger wrapped deep rather than on the tip. Cause that's where we see a lot of like punching comes from guys are like yeah. reaching for that release. They can barely <clears throat> even get their finger on it.
0: Yeah. You don't you, And in. If you have a release, <clears throat> there's some older releases that are just really, really long and you can't adjust it. Just take some extra money save up for it and get a release that you can adjust the finger. Your, your trigger should never be past that first knuckle ever. And, and I know some people are going to say, well, it's not how I do it, but I'm telling you that that if you want to do it right, that's, if there's anything that's concrete in this whole podcast, you don't want it out on the very, very tip. You don't want to have to reach for it. Anytime that you extend a muscle in your body, you add tension, tension, creates anticipation anticipation creates target panic target panic creates not a fun time shooting not a t- fun time shooting creates you not coming in and buying bows and arrows and stuff from us so don't do it rest your finger on the trigger okay so wrists we're gonna throw over here to the side we already dabbled a little bit on a thumb let's talk about thumbs now for a while there's so many options <clears throat> from b3 to Scott, to Trueball, to now probably, well, it's been around for a couple of years, Stan Losky makes probably one of the best in my mind, and I shoot Trueball, and I'm saying this, Stan, it's called the Perfects. You can get it in a long neck or a short neck. You can get it in various sizes. We carry a lot of the blackouts. We also have some different colors on that. It is one of the most customizable handheld releases on the market.
1: Well, by far, I mean the different barrel or post lengths to adjust the pitch of your barrel. There's two different thumb barrel sizes in there. You can make it a three or a four finger. You can sweep that third and fourth finger in and out. That's all something that a guy needs to play around with. When I first (coughs) got mine, I played around with it as a four finger. I actually really enjoyed the four, and I actually broke mine. And while I had it sent in, obviously, I switched over to a three finger and just learned to shoot it as a three and haven't switched back.
0: And, and size is a big thing with handheld releases. <clears throat> 90% of the companies out there have a medium, and they have a large. Stan has a large and an extra large feature. You can also get a small. Uh, I know
1: they at least make a medium in that perfects.
0: Yeah, which are, a medium in the Stan releases is really, really, really
1: little. Yeah, like for the gals out there, that would be a really good size for you, I would say. And maybe like a younger shooter too, the medium would be a really good option. <clears throat>
0: And talking about the Perfects, it it does have a, what we call a hook, but it has the ability to leave it on your D-loop. Yep. It's a little... uh, I call it a trapdoor. Trapdoor, yeah, perfect. So it's a hook style, and, and there's a lot of controversy in the market now between a hook style and a caliper style. You know, which one releases cleaner... I don't know that. I don't care. I think they're all very, very accurate. It has to do with the internal components, the sear system, the way that the clasp works, the way that the sensitivity and the travel works. You're going to pay a little bit more <clears throat> for a higher quality handheld release.
1: Well, oh, definitely, I would say mm-hmm. a decent one. You're looking almost two hundred plus. I would say mm-hmm. for a good handheld to get the adjustment for travel and tension in yep. it.
0: Yep. If, if I mean, there are some, <clears throat> there are some great handheld thumb releases out there for that hundred and twenty dollar range to one eighty. I would say introductory. Yep. Uh, you still have some travel. Some of them you can adjust, but it's... it's some of
1: them are kind of like two-in-one. Like if you're adjusting the tension, you're also adjusting the travel. Right. But I it, definitely uh, like having one where you can adjust both individually.
0: Some of them sound like hitting a two-by-four with a ball-peen hammer. And when they go off, it's just like, oh, my God, seriously. But, but we're not here to do that. Between 200 and $300 to get a high-end handheld release now why would i spend that kind of money on a handheld release because it can change your game when you come in and buy a bow or you have a bow you've already customized it you've already switched the grip or you have uh, you bought a bow for because of the grip <clears throat> you've already got a bow or you have a bow that uh because it draws smoother or it's bigger axle axle for string you know angle all of that stuff you've customized everything You've even customized your arrows. Why would you not customize the most important thing, the only connection that you have besides your bow hand to the bow, your release? Three things I don't skimp on. A bow, a rest, and a release. Arrows, you shoot whatever arrow you want to shoot. We'll get them to work.
1: Yep, I would say, like, most of us aren't the greatest shots. Like, we could grab a $100 Pack versus $150 pack and not notice a lot of difference. There's still right. obviously some downrange <clears throat> that yeah. it helps out with broadhead control and stuff, but mm-hmm. for the most part, most guys aren't right. that level of a shooter.
0: Yeah, a release though will make you that a better level shooter. Of a shooter. Exactly. So we talked about the Perfects. Uh, B3 has a couple new ones, they have an Omega. That is out. They have the Exit, which is a price point release. Uh, Trueball has some very, very cool handheld thumb releases like the ProBlade Flex. They have the Abyss, which you're shooting. Actually, been around for a while. The that ab-
1: one's been around, that Jesse Broadwater. And the cool thing about some of these releases, I know we're talking thumb buttons, but like that Abyss, they also make one called the Fulcrum Flex. Mm-hmm. It's literally the exact same head, same feel, same everything. You can adjust it down. To, so, like, literally, you could switch between the two, and it's going to feel the same. One's thumb activated, one's a hinge.
0: And... <clears throat> From the start of Jesse Broadwater and the Abyss, then Rio Wild came in with the GOAT, which is one release that is both. You can shoot it as a hinge or a thumb button. It yep. takes about 30 seconds to switch things over. One release, there's your answer. Yep. If you want to practice with a hinge, shoot a button for hunting, vice versa, or if it's windy one day and you need to be a command shooter, <clears throat> you can switch over.
1: Yep, And then they had the HPS. <coughs> I don't know if that's still a current model. That was the same thing as well where you could... Literally just roll your hand back and shoot it as a hinge, mm-hmm. or there's a thumb button on it, wrap that thumb around and just slowly squeeze it off, and it opens up the jaws. Well.
0: <clears throat> yep, yep. So there's, a, there's a, a bunch of different models on that. I think probably our number one sellers in the store is going to be the Blade Pro Flex and the Goat from Trueball. They came out with a, uh, and I know we sound like a bunch of name droppers right now, but Jeff Hopkins came out last year came out with the release that he shot for a while called the go to, uh, that release is actually either pointer finger or pinky, but it is the same dimension, same feel as a thumb button, but you're drawing it with your thumb and then using your pointer that release. I really, really like, I know you like it a lot. I
1: love that release. So like, I basically have two releases. I have that Abyss Flex and that Go To, and mm-hmm. I don't shoot the Go To a lot. It's more for me a training release. I would call it to mm-hmm. where I'm having days where I'm hammering mm-hmm. that thumb <clears> button. I'm not yep. really pulling through my shot. I'm gonna grab that Go To, and even though it's still like I would say a, a release that you could command shoot. Yeah. If you set the pinky hot enough, you can tell when you punch it. Yeah. And that's what I use that for. Like I could tell, like okay, that shot, I definitely punched. Like I felt different when the shot broke. Yeah. Where if I like sit and focus on pulling through my shot with my pinky. That seems to work for me. A hinge doesn't work. I freeze up with them. Gotcha. So that go-to to to me is a really sweet answer.
0: And the thumb buttons, as, as far as like a command shooter, I think you can be a more accurate command shooter with a thumb. For the simple aspect is there's so many different ways to adjust it. I'm not talking trigger travel, and I'm not talking sensitivity. What I'm talking about is, like you're saying, the sweep. For your third finger or your fourth finger. You can adjust different posts so you can have your barrel way up high. If you got really, really long fingers and you need to, you know, get the thumb way up into the crotch. And back to that, when you look now for thumb shooters, when you're looking, grab your release and, and hold it <clears throat> just like you're gonna shoot. <clears throat> so when I'm looking at Nate, the thumb is actually almost to the palm part, the base of his thumb. And then he wraps his finger all the way around that. So you're more or less using it as a, like a block,
1: like a wall almost. And I've heard of other guys, like I don't have this one set up to that point, but where they can literally take that pointer finger and their thumb and connect them and make a wall. And they're basically Mm -hmm. pulling against that wall until the shot breaks. So that,
0: that leads us perfectly right into the scenario of how, and and for those of you, we're going to have our media team put the YouTube link with this. I made a short video and there's a bunch of videos on YouTube on how to shoot these correctly how we shoot these correctly i should say um if where i was going with that three ways that you can shoot a thumb okay number one command style wrap around not punch rewind this and listen not punching command so you get really really deep on there and it's almost to the edge of breaking and then the last split whatever millimeter you say go Okay, second way to shoot these thumb releases is basically <clears throat> creating the block with your thumb all the way around to where that release, if it goes forward, it's going to go off, and you pull through. You're creating the block. You do not move your thumb. You do not move your pointer finger. What you're doing is you're pulling with your off shoulder, <clears throat> your release shoulder, and your elbow. You're, you're running that elbow trying to knock out the glass behind you and you pull against the tension of your back wall and your release goes off. That That's more like a resistance style setup. <clears throat> the third way to shoot a button is when you get into your anchor, you wrap that thumb and that forefinger, the thumb around it, and you create that block and then you rotate it like a hinge. So you're going to take that, this is where your ring finger comes into play you're going to squeeze with your ring finger and it goes off that's a rotational style the big misconception in archery is people say back tension okay back tension is a form of execution back tension isn't a release so people do it all the time and they're just not educated they say well i want to try a back tension release i say okay so what do you have I can make whatever you have a back tension style.
1: You can squeeze off an index back. Exactly.
0: Yep. So back tension execution is where you're creating a block on the trigger mechanism and then pulling, pulling straight through. Like again, knocking the glass out with your elbow, pulling through. And that's called back tension. Now back in the day, I don't know who came up with this. They said, squeeze a dollar bill between your shoulder blades. Well, that's okay philosophy, but if you were to do that, both you and I right now are shooting our bows, make-believe air bows. If you squeeze both arms, your bow arm moves.
1: Yep, and you're moving yourself off target.
0: Everything moves. We don't want it to no, move. No, we want to
1: stay as still. Like you want to try and hold that pin or dot whatever you're shooting in your scope, your sight, whatever it is, <clears throat> to sit as still as a can on that target. Mm-hmm. The less movement you can have, the better chance it's going to hit the middle.
0: One of the best coaches, and and this is another concrete deal, one of the best coaches in the state of Minnesota, actually in the world, coach of the year, is Linda Beck. Uh, She's over by Maple Lake. You can get her contact information from any of our shops. She is a personal, does private lessons from everybody from 5-year-olds to 85-year-olds. We have bow hunters that go in there and get lessons from her. She's not moving her bow arm She is executing by creating pressure with that back shoulder. So that's a big misconception is you're not actually moving your back, you're using some of your back muscles. Now there are some other videos out there where they'll they'll kind of go through that with you, but you and they got this muscular strapping young man, you know, and they're all this oh, this is the trapezoid muscle, and this is the blah 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 bicep muscle, and this is all rhombus and it's all working. I'm like, I'm not in geometry class. Just tell me how to shoot it. Yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a muscular dude. I mean, I'm big, okay? You're not going to see my muscle deflection on how it's working. I'm just going to be able to show you this I'll, movement right the, here.
1: All your shoulder and everything is rotating to activate that shot. If you,
0: <clears throat> if you ever wanted to video yourself, slow-mo video, if you're doing things correctly, even a command shooter, to a point, your release hand... Let's say it's underneath your ear or on your jaw. After the shot, should be behind your ear.
1: Yep, it should definitely move at least. Even if you're not getting it all the way behind your ear, it should come backwards. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of it where guys, like, that release hand never moves. Mm-hmm. And I used to be that way again. just It's working, taking the time, <clears throat> doing the 5, 10 yards, just working on your shot, aiming at a big piece of paper that you can hold it on again. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So a a thumb can be very, very, very profitable. I hate the word profitable. For your success, Uh, there's a ton of target archers now that are shooting thumbs. In some situations, you need to be a command shooter. This is a guy that suffered from target panic. I'll tell you the story here in about five minutes, okay? But I shoot a hinge 99% of the time. I know I've said this on other podcasts, but... I <clears throat> I, I punch it. I don't command it. And even when I command it, it, it reacts like a punch. So there's certain situations. Redding is going on right now. Uh, Redding can have some wind. Uh, some field courses around here, some Fita courses or Fita shoots. There's going to be some wind. I don't care who you are. You're going to end up commanding a shot.
1: You almost have to. You can't like pull through your shot. I mean, that bow is going to be moving around. If you just like let the shot kind of surprise you, you don't know if you're going to be blown almost off the target or in the five ring or close to the 10 ring. I mean, you have to be able to almost command when that goes off at that point. Yep.
0: And, and even, even some guys in the shop uh, that we, we've all suffered from target panic or we still have it.
1: It, If you haven't gotten it, you haven't been shooting long enough. Exactly.
0: You nailed it right on the head right there. In a hunting situation, People say all the time, well, when you're shooting a hinge, like, what if he moves? Or what if the deer moves? Or what if you have to take a walking shot? Or what? Okay. This is how I break it down. In my belief, if you have to take a hurried shot anyways, it's probably the redneck way of doing things. That's where your killer instinct is taken over rather than your bow instinct or ethical shot placement. If an animal is moving and you can't get them to stop or you get them to stop and it's like now, right? Okay. We've all seen every video out there produced. The the buck is walking and you go back and then boom, there there's the shot. Yep. Like, dude, how did you time that out? So perfect. You didn't time it out. You sent it.
1: Yeah, he's just whether it's an index, they're just swatting through the. If you could see them actually make <clears> the <throat> shot. Most of the camera, yeah. they have one camera guy that's focused on. Yeah, getting. Yeah, the yeah
0: they're not. They're shot. not videoing the release. and yeah. <laughs> the shakiness <laughs> and the uh, you know, um, I shoot a hinge and I've been successful with it as far as hunting. I it just I shoot it so much that it's just natural.
1: A thumb probably feels weird to you almost in the hand.
0: It, it does because now all of a sudden, and I don't know. I, we should have got like a brain surgeon on this podcast. I don't know why a human brain works like this. You could execute a 1,000 shots absolutely perfect. You could hit the X absolutely perfect. Put a little pressure on you. Put a little wind on you. Put a little dollar sign with about five zeros behind it put a score on an animal like i say i don't get caught up on score a doe a turkey whatever it is you're gonna go back to yep right now it is off yep it happens even with a hinge you can dump a hinge
1: oh yeah you can definitely dump a hinge i mean
0: so i'll tell you about my target panic and i know you went through this and then we'll go to your story I started to really taking archery serious like in 2014. Okay. I was shooting an indoor league. I'm not going to say where it is. I'm not going to do anything in depth on that. I was the top of the class when it comes to scores every year. I was there and I know this is going to be incredibly cocky sounding right now, but I'm just telling you the story, right? <clears throat> you couldn't beat me if you wanted to. That was my mentality until the start of league. You have some eyes on you. You have some score pushers out there that, you know, if you're not shooting up, you're, you're a loser. It was a 20-yard raccoon on the top of a bale, right? So you a little bit of elevation in there, but it's 20 yards. I got right on the 12 ring, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And when I went to punch, I raised up about a foot, and I sent it into the rafters. <clears throat> I got mad. I grabbed another arrow. I settled right on the 12 ring, and I said, okay, send it. And when I sent it, I raised up about a foot. I got mad. I didn't shoot the rest of that score. The next day I came in, I said, I'm going to fix this. I would go to try to get on a 20-yard target, and my pin would freeze six inches low, and I physically, physically could not raise the bow to get the pin on the hex, but when I did, whew, out the top, foot out the top.
1: you were just launching, commanding it off, basically. <clears throat>
0: I could not set the pin on the target and pull the trigger. I, my mind, then like I say, that where's the brain surgeon on the Why does our brain work like this? I,
1: I think it's a lot of it's anticipation. Mm-hmm. That's one of those where you're anticipating the shot, like. And I think you'd probably almost see it more with a rifle shooter where you're afraid of like the recoil. I don't know why we do it with a bow because yep. everything's moving away from us. You're not going to get <clears throat> hit by anything.
0: I think we want to do it because we're so, we want to hit the target.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: that's the goal, right?
1: Yep. And our brain just won't let us put it there.
0: It won't. And so I, after that, and I quit that day. I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to quit, Archer. This is not the deal for me. I did a little research, and this is back before we had internet, you know, we had internet, sorry. Back before I could, like, talk to Siri on my phone and look up target panic and how to solve it. I went to another archery shop after reading about what a resistance release was. So I went, I had them set up the resistance release for me. Uh, they shot my bow a couple times. I said, this is where it's going to be safe. And they said, okay, the first hundred arrows, no target. <clears throat> Just aim at the bail, the center of it. And that resistance taught me that it was absolutely okay to put the pin back on the middle. The shot won't go off because now I had to execute. Never, ever had I ever understood what that meant. I did that for probably five days in a row to where it was actually boring. <clears throat> Start. I went and shot a five-spot round, which we scored 360 Xs. I shot one of the highest X games at that time with a bow hunter rig. I went to a 3D shoot two weeks later, and I won it, and that was all with the resistance. First thing I had to do was admit that I had it. Then I cried a little because I wanted to quit, and then I fixed it. We haven't talked about resistance yet, but we're going to. Tell me your target panic story.
1: So mine, I think a lot of it, there's a lot of different things. Growing up, like, I never got new bows or anything as a kid. Like, I always got my dad's hand-me-downs. My dad is 6'3", 30-inch draw. If you look at me, like, I'm usually a 28 and a half to twenty. <clears throat> so for one, again, having a bow that doesn't fit, you doesn't help. So I was always moving around. Okay. Anytime when I was shooting as a kid, like, I was doing drive-bys, whatever. I could not hold it. Yep. Finally got a bow that fit me to where I could hold it pretty still. Every time I'd aim on a target, it was literally, like, bottom of the four ring on a five spot. I couldn't bring it up, and I got to the point, I used to have a target bow. There's a reason I don't have one yet, again, is because I'm afraid of, like, redeveloping target panic with it. But Mm -hmm. I put the pressure on myself, and I would sit low on that four spot, and I would literally, like, kick the heel of the bow up as I shot to put that arrow up in the five ring. Yep. So it finally just took time. (coughs) of me, like, realizing, like, hey, I need to work on my form. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's still command, like, just get better with the thumb button and pulling through my shot a little bit better. So... We have a little range at the shop that's no targets on it. I'll just go grab a demo bow, Mm -hmm. whether it's set at 28 inches, 29 inches, just grab that bow and not worry about how my front arm is and just worry about like pulling through my shot properly. Blank Mm -hmm. bailing is what we refer to that as. And I've done a lot of blank bailing to get back to where I can put that pin on the middle and just let it float and feel comfortable with it.
0: One of the, uh, before we talk about resistance, there's some YouTube videos out there probably one of the most recognized 3D champions of the world, did a pretty cool little breakdown on target panic. And <clears throat> what he showed, he used a pen laser, and he says, back to your blank bailing. But he goes to the point of not even shooting. He'll draw a bow back. He'll put the pin right on the X. He'll hold and hold and hold, until the the pin starts to move out of that X, and he lets down. If you have it, target panic that bad to where you can't even even execute on a blank bill correctly, I would say do. And this is not a, I'm going to practice it five shots and then go to it. This is a month deal. This is every day at least 10, 15 shots a day, if not more. Yeah.
1: Target panic, <clears throat> like if you have it, it is not a fun thing to go through to fix. It's probably one of the most boring things you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a place that's private, you're going to get some weird looks in a shop. Yep. You have to look past that. You're only going to benefit yourself at the end of it.
0: Absolutely. And you could, you could base it off this, just like if you were going to diet, right? If you think that you're going to diet and cut out soda and, and eat healthy for two or three days and then see a result, you may drop three or four pounds right away. Your water weight goes down, but then you're going to have a rebound, if you're going to do something, you have to commit to it. Target panic is not an over-the-night fix. We can help you get to the point of fixing it, but you have to do it yourself. Yep. There's there's some great guys right now <clears throat> that come in the shop. They got their new bow. They're going on an elk hunt uh, in September, and it's a very, very high, highly rated like trophy animal. <clears throat> Both of them, if I were... If I were to put a twenty dollar bill on a target at twenty yards and say hit it, you can have it. They couldn't do it right now, but they are in the they're in like week two of this process. <clears throat> and Keith here at the shop is actually working one on one with them. He's a command shooter. I'd say 50-50. He shoots a uh, true ball or true fire, true true fire hardcore max.
1: Yep, so that's just an index release for yeah, anyone an that's indexed. listening.
0: He, he's one of the best 3d shooters in the bow hunter class that I know of in the area. And 90% of the time here in the shop, it's a surprise release for him, but it, you know, he'll admit to you once in a while, he does say, yep, this is where it needs to be. And he sends it, but he's, he's working with these guys. And every week we see progression, we're starting to see some smiles come back. The first week we were scared because we're like, man, that's not the bow. It's not the seventeen hundred dollar bow I just bought. It's not the two hundred and fifty dollar rest I just bought. It's so you start like, oh man, what did we? They're kind of questioning things, but now they're starting to see. And we're in week two, going on week three. Like they're they're starting to do it. You can see this. They have shot so many arrows that we've had to replay. They shoot on one bale, both of them. We've had to replace two of the center foam deals because they're just blank bailing, just like you say. Yep. It they will be the best they've ever shot in their life. I guarantee it. When it comes July, August, they will be pinwheeling everything out to hundred yards. If they, if they choose to shoot that far.
1: Yeah. But even just to have the confidence for like that elk hunt where you might have a mm-hmm. follow-up shot at 70, 80, it's a matter of being comfortable knowing that you can go out there and take that shot.
0: I will say this cause I've went through it. The day that you experience a surprise release and it hits exactly behind the pin is almost like eight Christmases stacked up on one. That feeling of, oh my God, the bow just went off and I was aiming at the center and the arrow's in the center. Then the addiction starts. Now, it can work in a negative aspect as well. That addiction will drive you to perfection and that perfection will create anticipation. So you have to be careful. You have to mentally break down every shot and do the same thing every time in my mind
1: yeah and it's not something that's easy to do to get to that point again it's spending a lot of time either close range or with no sight on your boat to get to that point of knowing like how that shot should feel Mm -hmm. and i feel like i mean i've done it a million times i at least it feel like feels like a blank bailing Mm -hmm. and as soon as you put a sight on it it just doesn't seem to feel exactly the same Mm -hmm. at least the first couple times you do it as you get used to it it'll become more natural yep
0: Yep, <clears throat> we uh, we're, we're going to talk about res- resistance releases now. So resistance is exactly that. Look up the word in Webster's dictionary if you don't know, or ask Siri and she'll tell you. We're resisting pressure from our back wall. So when you draw a bow back, let's say you have a seventy-pound Matthews V three, the holding weight at the back of your draw cycle is less. It depends on what percent mods you have yep. in. But if you have 85% mods, your holding weight's going to be in that 8, 9 range, okay? So your holding weight. When you're back, you're only holding 8 or 9 pounds. With a resistance release, many of them that we have in the shop is exactly what a handheld release is. It just works different. So you have a safety that you engage while you pull the bow back. You get into your anchor. You let the safety off. And then you're basically going to get on target and pull. And pull, and pull, and it'll go off. That would be the easiest fix in my mind to get over target panic. Is you you, and I've even proved it to. There's a there's another release out. I believe true fire. You remember when we got them in? It's like a trigger style. The through fire, through fire. Yes,
1: that is a sweet release. They're very hard to get a hold of right now. Mm -hmm. But even if you're an index guy, that's swatting at your trigger. and you don't want to go to the resistance or a handheld or anything like that, looking into trying to get it through fire because there's not enough room in there to allow you to swat the trigger. It's going to make you get your finger on that trigger and pull through your shot.
0: And people say all the time, well, you can dump a resistance. Okay. I've shot 35 million arrows in my life. I, you cannot, you, I mean, yes, you can get to the back wall and go slam and it'll go off. It's all steady tension. It's building up the poundage. So if your bow is at 8 pounds and you're holding weight and you set the release for 12 pounds, you're pulling till there's 12 pounds of pressure and then the sear lets go, and then your release goes off. If there was ever a thing called a quick fix to target panic, that would be it, a resistance. They're not cheap. It's going to take a lot of dedication to do it right and set it up right. It's going to change from day to day.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, because, like, you hear some guys that shoot it. We've got a couple customers that I've dealt with. They were shooting them just even in the off-season. Like, they shoot a thumb button for hunting. They don't even have target panic, but they just want to work on that form in the off-season. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I could tell today, like, I was leaving my elbow down a little bit. I yep. could not pull through that release. He's like, any time mm-hmm. I left that elbow down, it wouldn't go. As soon as I brought it back up high and straight behind, it was easy to rip through that release. Yep.
0: So it really, really, it helps you with your execution because it intensifies your flaws. Biggest thing in, in archery is your bow arm, that shoulder needs to be locked down. It's an anchor. If that shoulder creeps up the longer you hold, you're going to notice that you're not executing your release the same. Like you were saying on your bow arm, if your elbow's not up and cocked and ready to break the glass behind you, your release is going to act different. Yep. So a resistance, um, I would say my favorite resistance right now is the Perfects resistance from Stan. Uh, the through fire, we had them like literally we had a dozen of them, and it was boom, 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 they boom. They went gone. so quick. I've got and like five. Guys,
1: I've got five or six guys to call again when they come in. They're highly yeah. desired right now. They are,
0: and they work very well. They for, do. They're they work especially for an index trigger style guy. Like you're not changing a whole lot, and like you say, you can't go mm-hmm. from left field. You have to be in, and you have to be pulling. Yep. and creating that pressure. Whoever designed that is a genius. Um, but th- those are the ones that we sell, and and we usually have them pretty available. The through fires right now are back ordered. Terrible. Yeah, we're uh, working every day. The whole industry is back ordered. That's everything. anything right now.
1: Yeah, in the archery industry, you're waiting quite a while to get
0: anything right now. We right? have we will have them for the summer months. Uh, We do have a couple of resistance releases, and the resistance releases is where when you come in, you're going to want to dedicate twenty thirty minutes with one of us pro staffers here to help you get it set up. Uh, you can read the directions, you can watch videos, just, just let us help you. And we'll, we'll we're not going to do it for you, but we're going to do it for you and teach you at the same time. We're going to make it safe. Everything in our tree, we're 100% about safety. And we're going to start you. Like I got a, you're, you don't work here in Rogers, but we got a demo range over there. That's four yards. we got a demo range right here that we're sitting in that's seven yards before we will never, ever go to that range. We'll just stay right here yep. so nothing happens.
1: Again, more or less blank bailing to get mm-hmm. comfortable with that release where you're not trying to, okay, I'm, I'm on the target. Go off, go off, go yep. off. It's, okay, I know how to, like, activate this release, get comfortable with it before I'm trying to actually aim at a small target and put it in there.
0: Absolutely. Now, the hinges. Yeah. Nate just cringed a little bit. The hair on the back of his neck stood up. That's why we call him the long hair outlaw. I shoot a hinge all the time. I love a hinge. I love all hinges. Uh, I shoot true ball, uh, everything from the HD hybrid shot the goat a little bit. I have the new HBC flex in front of me. Um, hinges for those of you that don't know what a hinge is, a hinge has what we call a moon. Okay. So not a full moon, but a half moon. Picture that in your mind right now. Get that circulating on that moon is going to be a Sear system a clasp, okay, where the trigger is at. When you rotate that trigger, the hook style, I guess you could say the, the clasp or the sear, far enough off of that moon, then it goes off. So a hinge can be shot a couple different ways. Do you, do you ever play with a hinge? Oh, I, I play with them all the time. In okay, the shop, on shot trainers don't.
1: and stuff. It's just okay. not my thing when it comes to aiming with. For form, I love them, mm-hmm. but for as far as, like, being able to shoot one accurately, it's not for me.
0: And you probably don't like it for aiming because there's movement.
1: Yep. That's a lot of it. I know if I had the time, and we all have time, if mm-hmm. I had more dedication in my mind to sit down and shoot a hinge, if I came yep. into the shop early and shot for an hour every morning with a hinge, yep. I'd get used to it. Right. It's yep. dedicating the time, telling yourself, hey, I want to get better with my form, and sticking to it.
0: So I get asked all the time, Uh Dan here, the manager at Rogers, he shoots a hinge in the off season, but then shoots a thumb for hunting. We get asked, why why would I shoot a hinge? Why are some of the pros shooting a hinge? A hinge, this is the, the simplest breakdown, and I'm actually stealing this from somebody. If we walked up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, okay, and our goal was to get to the very bottom, down in the river, a thumb button, an index style release, You go from the cliff to the bottom like that. A hinge is a gradual slope. We're easing our way down to the bottom. A hinge can be set up very, very hot. A hinge can be set up very, very cold. A hinge is based on a word we call rotation. Because you remember we have the half moon, then we have the sear system, and that clasp has to break off of that moon, the edge of it. So you have to rotate. Rather, you shoot a four finger, or a three finger, or even a two finger. You have to rotate that hinge. There's movement in your release hand. That's how it is activated. That movement can sometimes scare somebody. Now, people say, "Well, how do you shoot a hinge as back tension?" It's different philosophy. I could take, and you even commented on this. You grabbed some of my hinges and you said, man, they're really, really light. I could take a 100-pound bow, draw it back, and pull as hard as I could, and it won't go off. So you, you're not really, the way that a hinge is shot with back tension, if you were to slow it down, is still rotation because your elbow and your shoulder, you're moving, you're actually putting pressure on the pinky, or the ring finger and you're rotating that hinge.
1: Yep. You can literally grab a hinge and pull against the back wall as hard as you want. And without rotation, if you're just applying all your finger, it's basically a hinge activates by putting the rotating that pressure from your pointer finger into your like ring finger and pinky if you're shooting a pinky finger. Mm-hmm. So if you're pulling and all you're doing is applying that pressure into your pointer finger, that release will not go off. You literally have to like add that rotation and the pressure back into your index, or your, not your index, but your ring finger and your pinky finger to activate that
0: to go yep. off. So it's kind of the, it's not a secret on how to shoot a hinge. You just got to do it. Uh, I hunt with a hinge. It doesn't hook up to the D loop. I hook it up. I rock and roll that way. A lot of your very successful hinge shooters, they're doing something extra. They're not just rotating that pinky or that ring finger, like we're saying. In the aspect of the breakdown to create less movement, you can relax your pointer finger with less movement than rotating your ring finger. Now, if you do both, it's going to work faster. The biggest thing, and I'm saying this very cautiously and slowly, is any time that we tell somebody to re- you know, relax their pointer finger, that there's too much weight, there's too much pressure, there's too much anticipation to where they, because at any moment that can go off and it creates the, the surprise. When you master the being able to relax your index and, your, and flexing your ring finger at the same time, you can make the same shot. I believe, <clears throat> and this is true to my heart, I believe I can make the same shot every time with a hinge. Thumb button, going to be more accurate, but I'm not repeating
1: the same shot. No, even with myself, it's hard to get that same feel out of a thumb every time because you're trying to get that wrap around that barrel. So if you don't get the same wrap, it's not mm-hmm. going to feel the same. You can get it close right. every time, but it's not mm-hmm. the same as what a hinge can do for you.
0: Absolutely. Uh, hinges, like we were talking about, true ball the B3 makes probably one of the coolest releases you have it right now in your hand it's called the ghost uh, I fell in love with I got bigger hands the ghost just fits it's really really light uh, and then the cool thing is, is now B3 has micro adjust on their moon <clears throat> that's so, a really
1: nice feature to have because like a lot of the releases like you sit there and you could fiddle with them all day long and you just can't seem to get like your click to break point yep. perfect micro adjust helps with that a lot
0: and that's one thing that we didn't even talk about. I overlooked it. The click.
1: Do you shoot a click or no click?
0: Both. Both? Yep. Uh, hunting, I don't shoot a click.
1: Is that because you're afraid of the deer hearing the click? Or- um,
0: it, sh- I shoot my hunting hinge really cold. Okay. I shoot my target release really hot. There's no happy medium. So in the target world, like when when you draw back, okay, on that sear system is a little etched piece when you hear that initial click, that, that's not going off. That's like a, hey, dummy, get ready. We're almost there. So I use it as a consistent anchor. When I get to my anchor and I put just a snitch of pressure on my ring finger, it clicks. Okay. And that to me means, A, I have to be on my nose button. i am looking through the peep. That's when the execution starts. If I don't hear the click, I'm not there yet. I did something wrong in my pre-shot sequence in the hunting world yeah maybe i'm a little worried about them hearing that i don't think they would hear it but if they did it's just another thing i can control in the hunting world i should already be to the point where my pre-shot sequence is already like instinctive so when i get back and i anchor and i'm really really focused on the kill shot because that's what we're after then all i need to do is just relax my pointer finger and start executing on my ring and Usually, for those of you that shot a hinge in a hunting situation, I could, I could dial this as cold as it ever could be when I'm ready to hunt, like when I'm ready to shoot that animal, it goes off. I don't know. <laughs> back to the adrenaline, back to the, yep. like, so that's just a little safety that I have, as I said, it colder. Yeah. And then if it does hang up, now, earlier in the podcast, you said, I don't shoot a hinge because it hangs. Explain that.
1: So for me, like the idea, like my brain freezes, it doesn't, when I get with a hinge, my mind kind of freezes. I don't know whether to focus on aiming or the activation of the release. Yep. One of those two needs to flow evenly with a, kind of like a subconscious and one of those needs to be like the main thing. Yep. For me, typically in my shot process, subconscious is the release going off for the most part. Now I still command shoot, so it's still a little bit there, but it's not a lot. The main part of my shot process is looking at the target and making sure the pin is on the middle Mm -hmm. or close to the middle when i do activate that release Mm -hmm. put a hinge into it i haven't spent enough time i almost have to go back to thinking about making the release work which in my shot process is totally different it's wrong in my mind
0: exactly and that's where i say like the resistance we said intensifies your flaws in a hinge if it hangs on you that means that your execution what it is it's a former target panic yep bringing it up it you get to the point of where it almost goes off and then you start hanging up and you're like uh,
1: uh, and i can literally sit there like some of the guys around the shop might have heard me just shoot my bow for fun like i will literally sit there and like yell at the hinge to go off, I'll be mm-hmm. like, go off go off go off and it won't yep and eventually i'll just dump it and that's yep. not the proper way to shoot one either right so
0: that that's where some people start with the hinge and then they they just get rid of it um some guys will shoot with a hinge all year long and then grab their thumb button. Uh, I don't understand that philosophy besides the basic aspect of you wanted to become a command shooter. So in my mind, you're wanting to become a command shooter the whole time. Why you're, not practice that way? Why not? Exactly.
1: Practice all you're going to shoot throughout exactly.
0: the field. I, and don't get me wrong, we're salesmen. Like, yeah, come in and buy two releases, but why would you practice with a ladies basketball all off season and then use a men's basketball when it comes to time you know i like i don't understand that philosophy so
1: i can see doing it for league where again if you don't care about your score in league it's just shooting your bow working on form because a lot Mm -hmm. of it for most guys they don't really pick up their bow i would say until maybe late june early july right so And then for that, they're shooting once or twice a week, maybe 20, 30 arrows. They're not shooting Mm -hmm. a lot. I would say you and I probably both shoot our bows a fair amount more than that. Right. So they shoot it. Maybe they have 200 arrows before they go out hunting for the season. Mm -hmm. And then you hunt from September to December. Well, most guys don't shoot their bow in that period unless it's at an animal. So maybe they're taking one shot. Maybe it's two shots, three shots. Yep. And that's all they're doing. So some guys decide, okay. I want to get a little more serious about my archery. I want to do better next year. Maybe I wounded an animal. Maybe I missed an animal. Whatever yep. it is, they want to get better on their form. If you can come in and shoot like a league and not worry about your score, but worry about your form, mm-hmm. that's where I would see a lot of guys picking up a hinge or a resistance. Yeah,
0: yeah I can see that. I, yeah, that's a great, great philosophy. And that, that clears up a little bit of the gray area, you know, around that. The <clears throat> if I was to take, if there was one, like the very best shot, let's just say that I'm practicing – I want to be my first shot because in all reality, you're going to get one shot at what you're desired doing. You know, if I was to say, you know, Nate, I'm going to become a command shooter. The first shot of my day is perfect. The 20th shot of the day. (laughs) Yeah. That's where I would have to work any way that we've talked in the last hour and five minutes, you can perfect it. By admitting to yourself that you have a form of target panic and saying to yourself, I will fix this. Blank bailing, I'm glad you brought that up. It gets overlooked.
1: It's probably, like, besides, not the most fun thing, it's probably my favorite way to work on form. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, if you don't have a spot to blank bail, they make shot trainers. I think we have that one. Like mm-hmm. we usually have them around the shop. Yep. I don't think they cost a whole lot of money. Nope. It's actually got like I think twenty to thirty pounds of draw weight on it, so you're still working on building some of that muscle. Yep. And you can work on shooting your shot while you're sitting on the couch watching TV, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing.
0: The, yeah, there is, and like we were talking about the Stand Perfects and the resistance. They got that little shot trainer pin.
1: Yeah, we did that, not mention that, and that's in both the resistance model and in the thumb button version.
0: I wouldn't. I would never ever draw your bow without an arrow. Yeah. Last thing that I would do <clears throat> is draw your bow and aim at the TV and watching a hunting show and practice that execution. What the shot trainer does, or the, it's called a, uh, a safety pin, more or less. You put this little pin in your release to where you can actually shoot it, but it won't go off. Yep. The first time that it happens, you're probably going to go a jump, and the, you might even disdraw your bow. Yep. Always aim at a target. Always.
1: Always have an arrow loaded. Right.
0: Don't ever, ever, ever draw your bow back, even trying just the grip without an arrow. If there's one thing that'll make my stomach go upside down, is when somebody comes in and says, Eh, my draw length look good. And you look and they're aiming at somebody else with no arrow.
1: Don't do that. Yeah. No, I mean it's almost like a gun. Treat a bow like it's loaded at all Mm -hmm. times. Just And load it. Load it, yeah. It's <laughs> the safest thing for you. Arrows like, are cheap. Yeah, arrows are cheap. I don't want to see you break the bow. I mean, maybe you've had that bow for 10, 15 years, and you don't have the budget laying around to fix it if something were to happen. If you dry fire it, like older bows, you might not be able uh-huh. to get a part for. Exactly. Just load an arrow mm-hmm. and it'd be safe.
0: So in all aspect of things, admit that you have target panic, and then if you have, if, I, we
1: admitted here today that I still have yep. target panic.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. When I, if I were to shoot a button, I would be a, a finger. I do the same thing, an in index style. I say, go off, go off. Why aren't you going off? Oh, there you went off because I told you to go off. Yeah. But I think this helped out. It come into the shop if you have questions. There's a ton of videos out there, and then of course, like I did a little video on on my opinion on shot execution for all three releases besides the resistance but just come and shoot them come into the shop rather it be wait park or rogers or brainerd <clears throat> jason up in brainerd is probably one of the cleanest shot execution guys in the business um, he deals with some other stuff some outside limitations as far as shake so he has to be very very prominent he can be he's he's like you he can be a command shooter and be very very good at it uh our boss has switched to becoming a command shooter because for <clears throat> ever since we were little no one said the word command they said punching the trigger sending it you know whoever that guy was on the snowmobile said i'm just gonna send it and then somebody made an archery meme you're not sending it like you're not punching it command shooters they're absolutely accurate Just have to be a controlled command shooter.
1: Yep, you have to learn how that works for you, how your shot needs to break, how you have to wrap your finger around the index, wrap your thumb around a barrel, however that is, to make it go off. Even Luke agree. Even if it's uh, um, that's my phone. You want to listen (laughs) to? threw me off a little bit there. (laughs) Better than anything I've seen this year, or heard this year. We won't go into my turkey hunting fails, but shut your phone uh, off, Wade. What are you doing? But anyways, going back to that, you can even be a command shooter on a hinge. You really can. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I would say, personally, a hinge is probably the last thing I would choose to command right. shoot with. The thumb button or an index would be the way to go yep. for me.
0: Exactly. Well, Nate, I surely appreciate you coming down and being on this. And, and another thing that I strongly encourage is don't have one release. If you if you love your release, let's just say you like the B3 Nemesis, okay? It's a very cheap price point release that works very well. Have two of them, one in your pack, one in your pocket, or one on your wrist. If It doesn't matter if you're in a whitetail hunt in the backyard or if you're in an elk hunt out west or, or Alaska brown bear hunt. You're not going to have, you're probably going to, maybe, <clears throat> maybe you're going to have two bows. You're going to have more than one arrow. You're going to have, you know, extra stuff to do it. Get two of the same releases once you finalize what you're going to do.
1: Yep. And my big thing, too, that I see a lot, and I strongly recommend to anyone is no matter what release you get, if it has adjustment, play with it. Don't just take it out of the box. Stand Perfects. <clears throat> we talked about the release a lot. Probably the yep. best seller in the shop. I absolutely love that release. Mm-hmm. That is probably, the way it comes out of the box, probably my least favorite. It's just so hot. Like, if so you just hot. barely touch yep. it, it goes off. Play with it. Play with the sweep. Play three finger, four finger. Adjust the mm-hmm. barrel around. And, again, that goes for any release. And, th- and
0: that's the cool thing. Like you can come in, everybody knows our shops because you can come in and shoot the bows, right? Well, the same thing with the releases, like yep. we'll give you the shot trainer. We'll give you eight releases. You come over here and you just play. And then, and then we have absolutely no problem of switching out the three to the four finger and switching out the travel and sh- the sensitivity. If you want to switch out the post, make the barrel swivel a little bit. That's
1: what we're here for. Yep. And Wade said, start on the shot trainer. No, the reason we do that is if you've never shot a thumb button, we don't want you to pull back and hit it wh- on
0: your shirt collar and it goes off. Yep.
1: and wreck your bow or whatever. We want <clears> you to <throat> feel comfortable with that release, getting to some practice where you're not going to damage that dry fire your trainer. You're not going to hurt anybody yourself with it. Yep. And then once you're comfortable with it, if you want to take that over to the demo range on the range and shoot your yeah. bow with it, definitely go for it. Absolutely.
0: Last question I'm going to ask you. How long until index style releases are a thing of the past, do you think?
1: I don't think they'll ever be a thing of the past, especially. I think it's great to start youth with a uh, index or just yep. anyone that's new. I think a thumb can take some getting used to. They've been around for so long, I just don't think they're just ever going to go gonna anywhere. They're going to keep perfecting them to yeah, be nicer like and nicer. that extinction nicer. too is sweet because you can adjust the travel intention. And there's a lot of them that are starting to do that to where you can set them up customized. I mean, I like on any, whether it's a thumb button or an index, no travel, but fairly stiff.
0: Yeah, and we, 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 you and I could sit here for another hour. <clears throat> like we didn't even get into the stand extinction on how it's a 30 to one ratio. People are going to look at that and say, well, what in the goddamn hell does that mean? When you use a shot trainer or you use your finger and release, like you're setting your release for that. When you go to your bow, it's like we said, eight or nine pounds. There's a ratio of what makes the sear go off. You're setting the release to the bow. Now, if I was to take, it's not fair because you and I have virtually the same bow set up. But let's say that you grabbed your Bowtech solution, Yep. right? And I had my Matthews V3 sitting here. My release will act different with this bow, mine, versus your Bowtech solution. Or the new Hoyt, or a new Elite, or any of those... They all have different holding weights. They have different cam feel. Some of them are very, very hard back wall. Some of them are very spongy.
1: Yep, and some of them, even the way you get into the, you get into the back wall, some really let off. And that's another thing, too. If you're going to try out a hinge, back your mm-hmm. bolt on to 60 yeah. pounds. Don't yeah. try and shoot it at 70 because it takes mm-hmm. some getting used to.
0: And another thing that's going to happen <clears throat> to everybody now that's got the fire lit and they're like, yep, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get a handheld release or I'm going to get a new index style, your draw length is going to change. A little bit.
1: A little bit. And it's different. Like, you might be where you're just maybe, let's say, a hair long or something with an index where you yep. go to a handheld, and it's going to, like, be money And for sometimes
0: you. you don't even have to switch a mod. Just tie your D-loop different. Yep. Uh, There's some guys that shoot hinges that will have a, a almost a three-quarter inch D-loop. Most of ours in the factory, like, it, most of our industry standard is going to be three-eighths right in that area. Mm-hmm. Some guys, like, really, really short. If you're going to shoot a handheld release, you don't want to have a short D-loop, no. Because it creates torque where you're, you're not, most guys aren't going to shoot it flat. They're going to have it kind of tipped up. You rotate. create a V with your middle finger and your forefinger kind of on your jawline. Yep. You're going to rotate it a little. So maybe we got to switch your D-loop. It's 14 bucks. No big deal. Yeah. Right? Another, <laughs> like I said, we could go on for hours and hours. If your, your D-loop is going to wear out faster than your strings are going to, we have some very, very, very high, uh, in what we call intensified d loop material. We can get it to where it lasts a long time, but always check your d loop.
1: Yep, and even like the caliper versus the um, like single hook that opens. Like, if yeah. you're just tired of wearing out d loops, like, look at a single hook. I, that's one of the reasons yep. I recommend that to guys. Like, there's just <clears> certain <throat> releases I would say that are notorious for tearing d loops. Yep, if you go to a single hook that eliminates a lot of that because you just have Mm -hmm. one piece swinging out of the way instead of two jaws that are like pinching and and rubbing rubbing. on the inside. Yep.
0: A a D-loop will wear out so make sure that you're always checking that. If you see a fray, I just recommend just come get it fixed. Don't like burn it with a lighter and think it's going to get better. There's a reason that it's fraying.
1: Yep. I'd rather just if it were myself, personally, I'd rather pay $10 to fix a D-loop, $15, whatever it is, than sock myself in the face with my release when it breaks coming back.
0: <laughs> we did even talk about that. Yeah. Uh, you're going to, when you switch over, like we say, we always start guys on the shot trainer. First thing that's going to happen is you're going to draw close to your face. You're going to either touch your shirt, your collar, your jaw. It may go off. We practice
1: drawing away from and then setting your face yeah. on the string. I've heard plenty of customers come, well, I tried my buddy's hinge and I socked myself in the face with it. Well, you got to spend time getting to know Mm -hmm. how to use it. He just handed you and thought it would be funny to watch, try and shoot it. Mm -hmm. We're not that we're professional. We're going to help you learn to draw that the proper way, shoot it properly.
0: Absolutely. If you have any questions, uh, holler at any of us at any of the pro shops, you can get online. You can, uh, we encourage that as well. Get on our Facebook, ask questions. They'll get it forwarded to us. And then we answer them. They type it in and they send it back to you. You can call the shop, you can come in and test all of these releases. Uh, I strongly encourage from May 30th until September 18th here in the state of Minnesota, this is the time if you're going to make the switch, yeah. not September 1st. Like Give yourself a month with the new release, and you, you may become the shooter you never thought you were going to be. It can help you they definitely definitely can
1: and it will like we said it can change your draw length if you switch from style to style and even different index So you're just shooting an index you go in different one it can change your impact point just a little bit oh
0: yeah you're gonna have to recite it it's a new tool and do that but we hope you guys got everything out of it nate i appreciate you coming down and we're gonna have you on a bunch more it was a blast everybody else we'll see on down the road Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.